Terry Sims to Alabama State is exactly what this program needs at a time like this. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And now, of course, I'm Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey's over just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives right there at the bottom of the screen but if you're on the audio side of things don't forget the s on the end and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. make every moment more when you visit the official sports book of the locked on podcast network at fanduel.com slash locked on and tournament season is here it's not even on the way it's not around the corner it's not across the street it is here knocking at your front door and because this is starting today you might have missed a couple of games but don't worry we have you covered covered with storylines not only for the opening round but then also for the entire tournament Before we get into that, let's start with some football because Terry Sims to Alabama State is exactly what this program needs at a time like this. And the reason I say this is because you look at where Alabama State stands right now. And just before we get anything, he is not coming to be the head coach. I know he is the former Bethune-Cookman head coach, but he's not coming for that role here. Eddie Robinson Jr. is doing more than enough to keep that thing covered, okay? He's coming for the director of football operations. But the reason is perfect is because I look at where Alabama State is right now. Alabama State walked out of last season as, in my opinion, the third best team in the SWAC. But you know how they were able to do it? Let's not look at how they ended the season. Let's look at where they started the season. And no, they didn't start on some skid that they recovered from. It's about the fact that they started off this season and completed this season with a coach who had never coached before. Eddie Robinson Jr. wasn't coaching nowhere. He's coming in. He wasn't no head coach somewhere else. This is his his first job. First year head coach. D. Davis, he was at Auburn, wasn't really playing. This is his first time really playing significant snaps as a collegiate quarterback. You have a first year quarterback and a first year coach. And you come out as the third best team in the conference. To me, the future is very bright for Alabama State. In that situation, that youth at the two most important leadership positions is exactly why I think that Terry Sims is a perfect fit for where Alabama State is right now. Coming in as an overseer, coming in as a guy who just kind of looks at the broad sense of the Alabama State program, I think is great for him. And I'm going to rattle off his qualifications. Now, you have to forgive me. He's been a coach this whole time. So, of course, his qualifications are going to sound like X's and O's because that's, that's what he's done for the past 20 years, but he's not auditioning for a head coaching position. He's director of football operations. Let's remember that. That's very important. But what he's done as a head coach, it shows certain traits that I believe will be beneficial to Alabama State, even from that tall chair, even from that lifeguard stand that he's going to be at. 
I think is going to be beneficial. Immediately, we look at Bethune-Cookman and we see what he was able to do. He won a MEAC championship as the head coach of Bethune-Cookman. But when he was on the staff, he was a part of that stretch that won five MEAC championships in six years. A lot of people have flashes in the pan. A lot of that's what they call the Linsanity run. Now I'm trying to I'm trying I'm peeping what they saying on social media, but maybe saying and I'm peeping what they saying on social media probably makes me sound a little bit older than I actually am. But just know I don't like the term. But this will be an, a, a time to apply it. We've seen coaches win one championship. That's we've seen that and never reach those heights again. We've seen people be a part of a staff that wins one, maybe even two championships. But five and six years is sustained success. That means you know what it feels. You know what it takes to achieve success and dominance multiple years in a row. Bring that into my program, please. I would greatly take that. Now you look at what he was able to do as a coach. Specifically, he's like a secondary guru. Not secondary like second place, but secondary like defensive backs, corners, and safeties. He's a guru when it comes to that. You look at what he was able to do to Bethune-Cookman's passing defense. Had them top 15, had them 12 one year, and a lot of times like, oh, man, that's a really impressive year. Nah, I don't think he was really satisfied because the following year, he came in and they were 11th in pass defense. He had a safety who was top five in interceptions in the FCS. That part, I'm going to need. First off, you're going to hear a lot of, you know, secondary talk because that's what his specialty was. But then also when you look at who this team is, and I'm not saying he's going to come in and teach X's and O's, but I'm sure that he's going to be talking. I'm sure there's going to be certain residuals. I'm sure if he sees something that a guy is doing, like Maddox, he might be like, you know, I'm going to help Avante Maddox just because, I mean, he's a part of the program. That's important. He'll still do it. It's just not his focus. Leader in interceptions or top five interceptions, top 15 in pass defense. You look at when he was at Louisiana Lafayette, they had a top 25 defense when he showed up. You look at what he was able to do when he was at Texas Southern. It stretches back about 20 years, but he had two cornerbacks who were able to go professional. One to the NFL, one to, I believe, the XFL. He has a long line of success specifically with secondary pieces. But even if you take out the position, especially if you take out the expertise, he's shown the ability to develop talent. He's shown the ability to assess talent and know who to look at, right? Because that's going to be important as director of football operations. But then also he's shown the ability to succeed and be a part of success for multiple years in a row. And so often when somebody is a part of success and they get to control the helm, they get to be the head coach. Now they fall flat on their face. That didn't happen. He didn't fall flat on his face. He learned something. We all, look, depending on who you are, depending on what your situation is, you might have personally seen it or you might have just seen it out, you know, from somebody else's situation. But I think we've all been able to look at a situation and say, oh, you should have been set up for success. Why weren't you studying what the people before you did so that you could have the same level of wins and success that they did? He had a pretty good year at career or career at Bethune-Cookman. Development, assessment, winning culture. Bring that to me as my director of football operations and a team that's so young at the two most important leadership positions, a team that is kind of set up to really make a jump, make a leap. I think that the SWAC is very open and they're young at those two spots. Give me that veteran guidance to really help them make that leap and not only be talking about making it. So going forward, it's the SWAC tournament. We're here. And I think there's one team that needs to be on upset alert and it really might surprise you with who I name as we continue with Locked on HBCU. 
before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Shout out to FanDuel, still our newest sponsor. We haven't got anybody from them, so I after them, so I can still say that. But FanDuel is our newest sponsor. And look, y'all see over my there we go. Wow. That was, I just guessed. I didn't even know I was going to point to that correctly. But y'all see that what's over my shoulder, the Saints, Derek Carr. Put your money down right now because something telling me those odds are going to get worse and worse for you. They're going to be the favorite going into next season to win the NFC South. Make the most money possible by betting now. But maybe you want to talk about basketball because it's basketball season. I understand that. Who's going to win the MVP? Starting to become a, a real battle between Jokic and Embiid. You think it's going to be one of those two guys? You think somebody's going to surprise you? If you have the answers to these questions... It's very simple. Just go to FanDuel.com, put some money there. They have your first bet, no sweat. So even if you lose, you're still going to have some free bets to be able to have another opportunity to win. It's very, very easy. It's just up to you to make every moment more at FanDuel.com slash locked on. As we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, make sure that you're checking out Locked on College Basketball, which is everything that you need around the sport in one place, less than 30 minutes, wherever you listen or watch your podcast. And going into the SWAC tournament, there's multiple storylines you need to watch out for. But the number one storyline that I'm looking at is in the opening round, and there's one team that I believe is on upset alert, and that's all corn state when they face off against one second. Go ahead and yeah, put that down. There's one team, <laughs> there is one team that I believe really needs to be on upset alert in the opening round, and that's all corn state. That might surprise you because we are talking about the number one seed in the SWAC. And I don't say this lightly. I promise you. I don't think it's lightly to say, hey, the number one seed should be on upset alert, upset watch. Just know it's a possibility. Oftentimes, we look at the number one seed going against the worst team in the in the bracket, admittedly, and say, oh, that's an easy, easy win. Texas Southern is not an easy win. Now, if you've been checking out this podcast for a while, you know I have moments where I'm biased about Texas Southern. But every single time I'm biased, I always tell you there's some bias in this. I'm not using that disclaimer today because there is no bias here. Now, of course, I pay a lot of attention to my alma mater because they're my alma mater. And maybe that allows me to see some things that other people don't see or maybe it changes my point of view. But I can tell you this. I look at who this team is. I look at how many games they've been in. They're not getting dusted off like a lot of last seeds in a tournament typically are. They're in games. And I'm not saying that makes them scary. However, I do believe that adds a little layer of knowing that it's going to be a competitive game. So don't think that I'm about to allow my degree to impact why I say this. And I'm not saying this just for fun. I think that Texas Southern is a good team. Now, granted, Alcorn deserves to be the favorite. That's why I say upset alert. An upset is a team that is a clear favorite, right? I never say four versus five is an upset because it's not to me. One to eight, Alcorn to Texas Southern, the, ch the co-champions against the last team in the bracket, that's an upset. And I don't say this lightly once again. The reason I say this is two reasons. One, Texas Southern does have some players on that squad, but then they also have a track record of success in the tournament under Johnny Jones as the coach. And then secondly, 
Texas Southern has played Alcorn pretty close this year. That's happened. I'll start off with the first one. They have players like Devon Barnes, the freshman mortal, uh, John Walker, Jordan Carl Nicholas. They have players who they can get out there. P.J. Henry, who just had a phenomenal game against uh, against Alcorn last time. Like the last time, last time we saw these two teams face off, you're looking at Alcorn and Texas Southern having the top five or two of the top five scores in an individual game. That's the last time we see these two teams face off. That's to point number two. But it just kind of came out because I just remembered exactly when P.J. Henry had his explosive game. Now, I will also say this. I'm not going to allow my front row, you know, seat to continued greatness, sustained success. I'm not going to allow that solely to fuel my statement and talk about, well, they've had success under Johnny Jones. I allowed some of my naive nature to say they're going to get it together. They haven't. Undoubtedly, they had one of their worst seasons in a while. That's okay. I just don't think they're dead in the water. That's why I can say these type of things. And I think a lot of people do view Texas Southern is dead in the water. Not me, though. Not me. But okay, maybe their track record isn't enough. Maybe saying they have some players isn't enough for you. But they played Alcorn very close this year. One of those games had to go into overtime. The other team, or the other time they played, was when two teams had a player who scored over 30-some-odd points, top five in an individual game of any team in the conference. Had the most, yeah, the most team, the most points combined of any team in a competitive game this year in regulation. I know that's a lot of stipulations, but it's important. When it comes to games that stopped after 40 minutes and it was actually competitive, they had the most points. This was a high-scoring affair. So these have been close games. By no means have they been runaways, and the other one went into overtime. I think the fact that Texas Southern has some players, they have a, a good amount of success, and I do credit intangibles. Y'all know that. You know that. When I'm talking about Alcorn, I say the fact they've been in close games gives them a composure factor that some other teams might not have. I value intangibles and past success with a veteran team that has had that same level of success is not just the coach. It's some of the players, too, on that team. I value that going into the tournament, and I think that could lead to an upset. The other storyline, I guess I can kind of put this up now. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait it out. But the other storyline that I really want to look at is being objective and taking a step back. The dream final is Alcorn versus Grambling. I don't typically say this. I typically don't even feel this. I really rarely care about a dream scenario. But if I'm taking my personal feelings, of course, I don't want Alcorn in the finals because that means they beat Texas Southern in the first round. But if I'm taking my personal feelings and personal desires out of it, I think that objectively, this is a dream matchup. Alcorn and Grambling have only faced off once this year. They've been two of the best teams in the conference for pretty much half of the season really pretty much the whole season, but they've been the two best teams for pretty much half of the year. Who wouldn't want to see these two teams face off? Co-champions, let them, let them duke it out. Co-champions, co-coach of the year. They have so many coals. Let's decide who's going to be the better coach, Grambling, Alcorn. Who's going to be the better team? Who's going to be the real champions, Grambling or Alcorn? And we understand that they're the one in the two seeds, so they're not going to face off until the championship. I want to see it. I really want it. I'm just going to be honest. As a fan in watching this, I hope that I don't hope that I'll be lying, but let's just go with it because you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I hope that Alcorn and Grambling is the final that we get because I just want to see these two teams face off again. And about a minute ago, I said probably about a minute and a half at this point, I said that they were the two best teams for pretty much half of the season. But before that, they were both behind Southern and Southern kind of fell off to a point where it begs the question, is Southern a Cinderella team? Ah, they're the fourth seed. They can't be. But they fell off to the point to where people feel like 
they've counted them out. And I wouldn't be mad if they did, but that would kind of make them a Cinderella team. But I'll tell you what, Coppin State in 2022, that was a celebration or that was a Cinderella team. But can we see a repeat of that in the MEAC tournament in 2023? I don't know. I don't know. But we'll look into the possibility of it as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on, Locked on HBCU. I appreciate you guys for making it all the way to the end segment three and making us your first listen of the day. Thank you two times for that. I got to come up with a name for you. So if you belong to this to this group, to this tribe, let's go ahead and see. Let's let's see what a name can be for you. Now, I'm not I didn't buy this flag from Amazon for no reason. I'm going to hang this thing back up. One second. Now we can talk about the MEAC. I don't want y'all saying I'm being biased or nothing like that. I don't want you saying that. I have three storylines to watch when we're talking about the MEAC tournament, none of which are actually going to be opening day, opening round. These are all going to be things you can follow up until Saturday. Yeah, even the first one. And the most interesting is, will there be another, will there be another Cinderella team in the MEAC tournament this year? Now, last year, the reason I even think about this is because I think about Coppin State and I can't help but get this feeling that it's really similar to last year. Coppin State, that's another team. You live by the three, you die by the three. Could they do it again this year and they beat a lot of the high-ranking teams? Could they do it? I'm sure you know what deja vu is, right? Studies say that 97% of people experience deja vu. 97% of people. And two-thirds of people or excuse me, 97% experience at least once. Two-thirds of people experience it on a regular basis. Now, if you're part of the 3% that has never experienced deja vu, I'm so happy for you because as one of the people who is in that two-thirds who were experiencing it on a regular basis, it sucks feeling like you've been here before but not quite being able to place it. But I can place it here. And deja vu directly translates to already seen. I'm sorry, Miss Blanton, my high school French teacher. I had to look that up. Don't blame your teaching. You are phenomenal. But my personal retention is whatever the strongest <laughs> antonym of a phenomenal could be. So that's more so on me. But I was really good at the time. I was really good. I was really good for those three years that I was there. Already seen. I've seen this story before. You know, it's, it's, it's a situation last year where you live by the three, you die by the three. Instead of being the seventh seed, you're the sixth seed this year, but it's still very close. It's a very similar setup to how where Coppin State was last year and where they are this year. So the mixture of situation, play style, um, low seeding, slim chances given to them, it makes me feel like there could be a potential another Cinderella season, Cinderella tournament in store for Coppin State. But do I think it's going to happen? No. Do I think that Coppin State will be the team to do it? No. Because I don't think it's going to happen. Now, granted, I rule it out. But at the same time, that intrigues me. That intrigues me. The fact that the top five are so good. Howard, Norfolk, North Carolina Central, Morgan State, Maryland Eastern Shore. They're so good. Matter of fact, the cutoff starts at Coppin State. Like right there. It's like the, t the top five teams I think are going to be able to win it. And then Coppin State. 
But the fact that we have such a strong top five, but yet I can't shake the feeling that Coppin State is in a very similar situation they were last year. This storyline of a Cinderella team intrigues me to the utmost. But let's focus on the on the first and the third seed, two of those teams who are in that top five, Howard and Norfolk State. With Norfolk State, I question, can they win a third straight MEAC championship? And the reason that's interesting is not only because it's three in a row. Who doesn't want a triumvirate? Who doesn't want a trio? Who doesn't want the trips, right? But they've never had to do it from so low. And I say so low very lightly because they're the third seed. That's not low at all. But it's lower than they're used to. Last year, number one seed, they win the championship. Year before that, they were the number two seed technically, right? At that time, the MEAC was still able to divide themselves into divisions, and that's how the tournament was set up. So they were the second seed on their side of the bracket. But North Carolina A&T, the number one seed, they didn't even get to play a game because of COVID protocol. So essentially, Norfolk has been the number one seed in the MEAC tournament the two years that they have won their MEAC championships. So can they come from three to make it three in a row? Something to watch. Howard. Howard just recently broke that drought. They won their first conference championship in 36 years, either 36 or 38 years, but it's been over 30. That's a long time. Can they break the drought? And we're talking about the NCAA tournament. Howard's women basketball did it last year. Howard broke the drought as far as co-champions in the football Howard has been about breaking droughts for this 2000, nah, it's not 2022 anymore, but for this last year, they've been about breaking droughts. Can the men's basketball team join that? We're talking about triumvirates. We're talking about three in a row. We're talking about Cinderella's. We're talking about storylines that you didn't see coming. I kind of feel like Howard kind of encompasses all of that. Football, women's basketball, men's basketball, three of them, three in a row. Things you didn't see coming. They haven't done this in over 30 years. This feels like it checks every single box. And if you really want to stretch it all the way to the beginning of the show to make it all the way come full circle, this feels like the perfect time for Howard men's basketball to take advantage of a star-studded marquee team that they have in kind of the run of success that Howard has been on over the last year and some change. So how you love that? Can Howard break their drought? Can Norfolk State make it three in a row despite never really winning from coming this low in the seating? And if it's not one of those two, is it going to be another one of the teams in the top five? Or do we have a Cinderella team? Y'all answer that for me, segment three, folks. Answer that for me, trios. Let's start off there, right? Y'all answer that. Is there going to be a Cinderella team in this year's MEAC tournament? If so, who do you think is going to be? Answer that below. I'll pin that question. But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For the rest of the week, what's today? Tuesday? Wednesday. So we got two more episodes. We're going to be wrapping and, and recapping what's going on at these tournaments. So be on the lookout for that for the rest of the week and going into next week as we recap the end of the tournament. Man, for your second listen of the day, go ahead and check out Locked On College Basketball. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're focusing on. Go ahead and get everything you need around the sport, though in one place. Isaac's doing a phenomenal job. Get it wherever you listen or watch your podcast. In the meantime, in between time, though, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.